UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have another fascinating guest with me today. I heard about my guest on, I, I actually saw him on a documentary, like, and I, it made me want to reach out to him and get him on my show. And who I'm talking about is Bill Konkoleski, I'm sorry. He's been the state director of the MUFON chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, or MUFON, since 2004. Um, after a lifelong of, of UFO and abduction encounters, he spent the last three decades actively investigating these otherworldly phenomena, trying to make sense of the bizarre events that happened to him personally. What he's discovered confronting these cosmic mysteries is the reality is far stranger than we could ever imagine. Con Koleski is the author of autobiographical books, Experiencer, Raising Two Worlds, and its sequel, Experiencer 2, Two Worlds Collide. His personal abduction experiences have been chronicled in the sci-fi documentary, Abduction Diaries, streaming documentary, Abducted by Aliens, UFO Encounters of the Fourth Kind, television series, Aliens and Spiracy, They Are Here, and ABC News special, UFOs Seeing is Believing. He has served as consultant to Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries, the History Channel's Hangar One and UFO Hunters, Nash Nat Geo's The Truth Behind, as well as Science Sci-Fi Channel's uncovering aliens and close encounters and uh i want to give him a big warm welcome to the show bill thank you for joining me how are you oh thanks for having me on i'm doing good we have a we have a mutual friend i don't know if you knew this but i heard you say this in another podcast i heard you say that you're friends with sandy nichols oh yeah for sure yeah, i've yeah. had him on my show he's he's a he's a really he's a really cool guy like he I, you know that thing that he has in his backyard is amazing it's like some kind of like as i've never seen it personally i've never been there but I've just heard about, I've, you know, I've interviewed him on my show and it's, uh, it's very strange, right? It's like an Aztec monument in the middle of Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, everyone's going to want one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So your story, uh, you've, you've obviously been a consultant on many UFO programs. That's how I saw you. I was watching a Netflix documentary on, uh, you know, on UFOs and you came up and then I found out that you have books out and that you, you've been a member of MUFON since 2004. Um, how did this all start? Because when I, when I listen to you on another podcast, you haven't just had UFO and abduction experiences, you've had paranormal experiences as well and psychic phenomena too, correct? Yeah, um, the only thing I have left to check off on my bingo card is Bigfoot, I think. <laughs> haven't seen Bigfoot. Wow. I mean, I mean, that usually comes hand in hand, right? Well, I, I, you know, I know many people who've had all sorts of uh, encounters, including Bigfoot. It's just the one that uh, I seem to to be shorthanded. And I'll put it on my bucket list. See Bigfoot. 
Yeah, did you did you did your encounters start off with the uh, abduction experiences when you were a child? Yeah, you know, my very first memory in life um, is from age two. I was in my room um, and my crib, and a little gray guy comes walking in, short, very human. Mother uh, tells me to go back to sleep. I was not yet even asleep. Nobody in the house was asleep yet, and um, then the thing um, just walked out of the room and. Um, my guess is that it went to my brother's room, but I, I really have no idea. And this isn't something that came back to me years later or anything. I, it burned in my memory at the time it happened, and I, I've never forgotten it. And, um, you know, I've had experiences at age four, seven, nine, ten, tons in my teens, many in my uh, 20s. It tapered off for the most part. And then every once in a while, you know, they'll surprise me and come back. What do you think they were taking you for? Like, what is, what is your theory behind it? Um, you know, I think it's a multifaceted program that they run folks through. One thing they're interested in is uh, to, to track DNA. Um, the phenomena runs on my mom's side of the family. So she's had an experience. My cousins have had experiences, for example. And so I, I think it's just to, you know, to, to be able to, to test a long running experiment uh, along family lines, um, just to see how the biology is going. And they could probably track all sorts of things that are going on on our planet. Like, I don't know if you've heard recent accounts of that everybody has trace amounts of plastic in their blood, I think it is. Um, and so I'm sure they, they test for all sorts of weird things. So that's one aspect of it. Another is that um, I think they have a, sort of a disaster readiness program and what they will do with experiencers when they take them is they'll download information into their heads um, that will be required of them when there's some sort of catastrophe, calamity. Maybe they've got a nuclear war plan. Maybe they've got a um, pole shift, sudden pole shift plan. Maybe they've got, you know, all sorts of different um, different variables. And what um, many, many experiencers, because there are probably millions of people that have had this type, type of experience, uh, actually. And so there are a whole bunch of people are walking around with these plans in their head of how to save the human race you know, break glass in case of emergency sort of a thing. And many people who have these types of experiences go on, live their normal lives, pass away, new people get born, um, new people are taken, that same information is plugged into their heads, locked behind some secret um, door that none of us can access, except uh, in the case of that one day that we might be activated um, to to do whatever it is. Um, to save however many people we can in whatever way, however, whatever that means. So when you when we talk about your encounters, have most of your encounters, I mean, would you call yourself like, would you say you have conscious recall of like your experiences? Many. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And, and are they mostly with like what we would call the grays? Yeah, for me, it's the Ben the Gray beings. Um, there's a couple varieties of grays um, that I've had contact with. Uh, there's sort of a three foot tall varia variation on them that seems to be kind of like a, their worker grown. Um, it tends to be their away team, like, hey, let's grab the person and bring them back. And then there's a, a five foot variation on them 
that seems to be a bit more, I don't know, um, <clears throat> conversational. Um, it, they, they tend to understand us a little bit better, the taller ones, where I think the little one, little, the littler ones for the most part are just following orders. And then I've also seen uh, a mantis being about seven feet tall and yeah, it looks like a praying mantis. And uh, I was, I had that experience and I was calling it a mantis, uh, well before I had read or heard of anybody else having similar experiences with a similar type of being. And also, oddly enough, calling it a mantis as well. Um, I, that, that really gave me chills when I heard someone else say they saw a mantis. I'm like, that's exactly what I saw. And that's exactly what I called it. Yeah, uh, uh, this is amazing. That, like, it, and I've always, I have so many questions I could ask you. Like, do you think they make the, the, the taller grays make the smaller grays? Like, let us make man in our image, kind of like from the Bible, like wait, like they made the smaller grays in their image? Yeah, I, I think it even goes a step beyond that. I think that all the beings that people experience physically are basically driving bodies around, that their consciousness plugged into a physical form. I think, however, long ago in their, um, in these beings' history, they figured out, oh, you know, you could take consciousness and stick it in something else and keep going. <clears throat> so in a way they achieve immortality and then they have bodies that are for specific purposes. And, you know, they probably have this giant, if you can imagine sort of like a tank of consciousness and like, okay, we just need a little bit in this little gray guy and a little bit in this gray guy. And then maybe a little bit more for the, the one that's actually got to communicate with the person or, you know, that sort of a thing. I think they, their consciousness by nature and, all the all their forms are are probably not forms that they go around and live in um, all day every day. So so they're so they're saying they just use these bodies when they have to interact with us or when they have to become in part of the three D world. Yeah, yeah, yep, both and yeah, very much. You know, I, I'm sure their necessity to. Uh, inhabit this physical space goes beyond probably just dealing with us so yeah anytime they have to uh interact on, on the physical plane that they would just jump into one of these bodies and i also think that's the big disconnect that humans have with them is that to them a, a body is something that is temporarily inhabited for a specific purpose and then you just hang it back in the closet or whatever. And for us, we are very attached to our bodies. We are very much into our ego of our body, our physical lives and everything like that. So when they come to us and they're like, okay, we're going to take you on board and do stuff to your body. We're like, how dare you do this to me? This is the most invasive, intrusive thing. I am horrified. I am shell-shocked. This is just, this is, you know, beyond uh, forgiveness. And to them, they're like, we're just taking your car into the garage. You know, we're just, you know, we're just taking your physical form and it's not you. You understand that, right? And I, I think that's a big issue that they don't really get us in, in that respect. And we don't get them because, um, because of that. 
Well, do you think it has to do with emotions? Do you think that they don't have emotions to some extent? Or do you think that like, I mean, I've heard different people talk on this and it's like a mixed bag. Like some people tell me, yeah, they do have emotions. Some people tell me they're emotionless. Some people tell me they don't understand our emotions. It's a very strange, they seem like very strange beings. And with this said, where do you think they're coming from? Do you think that they're coming from interdimensionally or do you think they're coming from extraplanetary? So two questions there. Sorry about that. I just, I just don't want to forget anything. I don't have anything written down. So I just kind of like. Um, yeah, they're very different questions. And I think I'd like to take them backwards. So with regards to where they're from, you know, <clears throat> I think it's very possible they started off from a planet. It's possible that they are interdimensional. <clears throat> but if you look at the, um, you know, the cultural history of our planet, you know, I could I could tell you two things about me that would be true. One is I'm an American. Another is I am Belgian, Lithuanian, German, and Polish. And you know, and talking about where I'm from and what part of me is from what part of whatever. I think they've been through. Uh, I think their their forms have been. Uh, experimented on interbred you know they they've been um sort of dry cleaned um along the way to to be whatever they are now so in one sense i don't know that we'll ever be able to figure out where they're from and maybe they don't even know where they're originally from you know if they're a, a civilization that's say millions of years old which is not um out of the question um, the the point of origin it sort of becomes moot at that point if they've been everywhere um, where they call home is everywhere um, and yeah certainly could be interdimensional who knows and the way they think about that question may be entirely different than the way that we look at it especially if they are consciousness like I think they are you know their point of origin is consciousness to them and so I think that that sort of point of origin question is a is a sticky one, though I'm not going to say I think that they're um, from the moon or you know anything like that. Wherever they're from, it's probably something that we would never guess. Um, <clears throat> with regards to the question about um, emotions, that's a tricky one too, because when you look at what the source of human emotions or what triggers our emotions. You know, um, if you say fear, you know, our emotion, you know, fear, and you say, well, maybe they don't experience fear. Oh, well, they probably, if they're not naturally physical, they don't fear something happening to their physical form because they know nothing's going to happen to their consciousness. Our love is often very much based upon investing in the people and animals, uh, community, things that we connect with. And for them, if they see everything as one, they're just one consciousness, um, they have a very deep, unbreakable, pure love for everything and the oneness of everything. You know, if I'm gonna wax sort of, you know, eloquent about this. And then their version of love is based on, on that, that formless, eternal, immortal, um, love and infinite love and our love is based is a very finite based love and then we have hatred and other things in in our species because they are 
we view them as other than us. And if they have no sense of otherness, if they have a sense of oneness, you know, it's a very asymmetrical thing. And it would be very easy for us to look at them and say, well, you've got no emotions. And, you know, in their mind, like, like, you know, we have the one emotion, we have, you know, pure infinite love, and you have this sort of, um, you know, checkbox, like, this is good, this is bad, this is how I feel about this, I like this, but when this happens, I don't like it. And so we're very complicated emotionally. I think they're very I, simple, it wouldn't maybe be the best word, but pure in, in their emotion. And so I think they could come out across as emotional. Like if you slapped one in the face, would it get angry? Would it get scared? Probably not, because it, it doesn't associate with this physical manifestation that it's temporarily in. Yeah, what what I was gonna say, like, what do you think of the accounts of like, um, I don't know if you remember like Jim Sparks. Like, I I tend to go back to a lot of old Art Bell episodes. I was a huge Art Bell fan, and the accounts of Jim Sparks are like not completely in line with like what yours, but but like he talks that they were more positive than negative, and I guess that's what I was getting to. That like, you you don't think that these beings are negative, and as I say that, it makes me think that. Do you feel like since you've been in the documentary industry like you've done a lot of documentaries do you feel that people and, and this could be anybody when I say this is trying to paint a negative element of the ET agenda like do you think that like Hollywood's trying to show the ET agenda a certain way where it's really not that way or, or because maybe that's what sells or what are your thoughts okay so you know there's that obvious thing and everyone always says it if they wanted to to, to kill us, if they wanted to eat us, if they wanted to mess with us, they could do so easily. And they, you know, they don't, you don't see any sort of, <coughs> pardon me, wide scale um, intrusion into our lives. So it's not that bad. Um, do people have negative experiences? Certainly. And, and I think, again, it, it rests in that they don't invest themselves in the physicality. Now, I will say, though, um, you know, is you might ask a question then, is it necessarily bad that we're so into ourselves and looking, you know, to promote ourselves, looking to look out for those close to us? You know, these are natural survival instincts. Um, you know, these, you know, this is sort of us being animals and we are a human animal. And it is natural for us. And so if it's natural for us to act this way, is it wrong? Well, no, it's natural for us to act this way. So the concern, the fear that uh, of an unknown threat coming to obliterate us or do whatever to us, it, it, I don't think it's in line with what's what's happening now. I will say, you know, that I have been taken many times where I just absolutely did not want to go. I did not want to go. I thought it was rude on their part. You know, it's always on their time, right? You know, they never, you know, they never ask you when, um, when you want to have something happen. It's always when they want to. And so it, it demonstrates sort of a superior, inferior relationship by the fact that they tend to call the shots, um, about when and where and how, what happens, and we just kind of have to go along with it. 
And maybe you could say that's negative, even even if they want to do something positive with you. Well, you know, they, you know, they we're not it's not so much an equal relationship in that respect. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't know. For those people who have negative experiences, you know, I I I've had negative experiences as well. On the whole, neutral experiences, some positive, and the whole arc of my life up to this point, the many, many years of experiences that I had, um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give it away. I, you know, it just it, it produces such a level of new life um you know because um, you know what there's probably two big questions really that humanity is asking right now you know uh, what happens to us when we die and is there life out there in the universe and to be part of one of those grand questions um without even asking it the answer coming to you without really having to ponder it um it's 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 a wondrous thing yeah i i can imagine so what i was going to say about this is what and like are you like jim sparks in the way like have you been able to like um pick up like uh like like personalities from them at all and like have they ever joked with you or anything like that or do they have a do they have a sense of humor or like what is i mean like what are they i mean like have you had conversations with them or like and like, what are they, I mean, like, I'm, I think everybody's so interested in like, what are they like? You know what I mean? Like, can we even get to know these beings on a personal level if that exists? Or, or are they kind of all about business? Like, I mean, like, it, you know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Yeah, I guess. Um, I can't say that I've had strong personalities from them. Um, you know, I, I've, I've had... Um, if you would call this sort of a personality, at, at certain stages of my life, they seem to have a parental uh, personality. Like they're looking out for me. They claim to have my best interest in mind. They're trying to be um, thoughtful and teach me. And, and th that sort of protective um, and... and elevating sort of a relationship with me though um you know i i can't really say that I, i've seen a differentiation in in personality when i was four i had an experience now here here's a case of you know maybe the closest i i've come to a personality um i was four and i have four older brothers and i was at home at the time um, I was not yet in kindergarten. All my brothers were out to school. My my dad was at work. My mom uh, decided to go out and weed in the front yard. And I went to lay down for a nap. And right when I hit the, the bed, right when I hit the pillow, I felt immediately paralyzed, completely paralyzed. And um, then a very heavy vibration um, was going on in me. And it felt like somebody grabbed my chest and yanked me out of my body, kind of like pulling a handkerchief out of a pocket. And then I found myself in my room with uh, three gray guys, and uh, they were, um, they wanted to uh, teach me how to operate outside of the physical. And this was like an experiment. And they came across as very playful, like, hey, let's play this game. Let's, let's come on over here in the hallway. 
can you do this? And they asked me to float. Uh, I lived in a tri-level and there was only about six steps up to my bedroom. They said, we want you to go down the stairs face first. And I felt really floaty and everything was very vibrant and everything. So I did. I floated down the stairs. I looked forward and I floated down the stairs. And then I landed sort of like in a leaf-like pattern in the room at the at the foot of the stairs. And then they were all around me and they were like, yay, yay. But there was no look. There was no volume from that. It was just like a, sort of a psychic, like, you know, they, as if they were applauding telepathically. That's and, fascinating. And so I, I said, you know, I'm like, wow, you know, this, you know, this is really neat. I got to tell my mom about this. And they're like, no, 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 you don't, don't tell anyone. And then um, they popped me back in my body. I got up right away. I went to the, the stairs and I thought, hmm, I wonder what happens if I try it like this, <laughs> right? And so I went, I crawled face first down the steps, which was not quite the same experience. And um, yeah, but you know, I, I guess eventually I did uh, let the secret out. Sorry, guys, but <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they they showed delight um, at a time where uh, delight was due. Um, the, you know, they were happy with what I was able to do. They seemed to come across as friends. They knew that that approach would be useful, whether that was a tool or if they really felt anything for me in the same way that people feel for each other. I don't know. What do you think they're preparing us for? Because it, it seems like they, I've, I've heard this before, like where they've tried to get other contactees to like open up that there are psychic abilities and they've taught people things. And they, you know, like the, I've, I've heard of abductees being on craft and them playing with like psychic toys and stuff like that. And like, I, I don't know exactly what, what, I can't remember psychic games, like, you know, so it seems like they want us to open up our awareness to where, you know, we're, we're more psychically aware. And obviously they were trying to teach you about astral travel, which is really huge. Like, do you think that there's like, what do you think they're trying to teach us overall? And like, do you think there'll be a time where we merge with them or something? Or do you think mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're prepping us all up for that event? Yeah, I, I think that um, our planet's in for hard times and, you know, in, you know, as somebody out there is rolling their eyes like, oh, it's another person talking about that stuff. But really, you know, our 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 we our planet's had a tumultuous history. We've had some major shifts and earthquakes and floods and everything, just big cosmic disasters, you know, again and again throughout the course of our history. Uh, just ask the dinosaurs, right? Yeah. So um if um, something like that is forthcoming. I think that they're just taking an insurance policy out and, and, and seeing how ready we are to join um, sort of the galactic community. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of these terms almost sound hokey, but I mean, you got to think, you know, with so many civilizations probably out there, there probably is some sort of structure of um, culture out there and that uh, they probably don't want to see us perish. Um, but I don't, also don't think that they feel that we're ready to go out there because of our physical attachment and all the unpredictable emotions that go with it. Uh, I, I, I think that we would be highly <laughs> unpre unpredictable of a species 
if we were let out into space, I think everyone would say, oh my gosh, these are the new neighbors. You know, I think that they're trying to keep us here until we get to some point where, you know, we're not going to to misbehave out there. And, you know, you know, there's a, there's a, a smattering of people on our planet fully loving and enlightened and that that sort of thing but and then there's the other eight billion right so um uh and you know i admit you know i've got my faults and flaws and you know i don't know if i would let me out in the space but um so i i think i think that's what's 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 going on and you know there's that theory that they even put us here in the first place or uh, found us in whatever previous um, evolution uh, state we were in and and poked with our DNA, I, you know, I think that's completely possible. I mean, the age of the universe, you know, it, it's not out of the question. I mean, talk about a long, long, long experiment, but, you know, but maybe they got nothing better to do than, you know, to do, to just sort of see how we progress in the long game. Oh, as well as countless other planets out there who are probably right at about the same level of evolution as us and civilization as us. And they just sort of, you know, make sure that uh, not to let the the crazy kids out, um, you know, until it's time to graduate into the galactic community or whatever. And speaking of the galactic community, who all do you think is 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 a part of this? I mean, I'm I'm sure there are thousands of species out there in the world or in the universe, galaxy, whatever you want to call it. But like, do you think we can verify the Nordics? Can we verify the reptilians? I know you talked about the mantids and the grays, so obviously we can verify them. But like two that you hear about a lot that you know whether it's a nordic that's a pleiadian or even you'll hear about tall whites a lot too which i think they're different i think tall whites are almost like a creature type you know like and when i think of tall whites i think of inner earth you know more so but like what are your thoughts on those three races of aliens the tall whites the nordics and the reptilians and do you think we can verify any of them you know i think the best that that we can do is count the the volume of sightings that people have of these things. People who encounter these types of beings independently of each other, yet have very similar stories. If this was all imagination, then you would have people saying um, that they see like a predator, like from the movie Predator, or E.T., or a Klingon, or Chewbacca, you know, show up, you know, these sort of things, uh, or just, you know, like, oh, I, you know, I was visited, this thing had antennas poking out every direction. You don't. You, for those credible people telling about their experiences, you have a very limited set of, of types of beings uh, being reported. And with that, with that high, high volume, it seems to, you know, you just anecdotally say, you know, well, you know, look at look at the evidence here that so many people are reporting these types of things. Now, uh, but when you go beyond that and try to to point out uh, characteristics of any of them, like for example, if you say like reptilians, most people most people are like, oh my gosh, those guys are just the worst. But you know, then I run across somebody who says, you know, uh, the, the this reptilian in her life, true story. 
um, would come to her window whenever she was sad to cheer her up, she said, um, and was a very loving character in her life. So, you know, there's this outlier. And then, um, then you could say, well, maybe some of these species out there do have a spectrum of emotions. And you do have nice ones and not so nice ones in a given culture. And I don't know, it's, it's very hard to say anything definitively. This is certainly one of those cases where the more you know, the more questions you really end up with. Yeah, yeah. It's, I was just thinking about it. It's fascinating, right? It, it really is. Like, I mean, like, if you think about, like, all the different cases we have, like, I, I mean, like, throughout the years, there's, like, Charles Hall with the tall whites and, like, you know, like, it, and it makes me wonder as to why it, they're showing up more now than ever. Because it seems like, I mean, like, you, you did have, like, throughout time, it seemed like, it seemed... If, if I was to classify the years and you would know this better than me because you're you're with MUFON, but like, you know, when I think about ufology history, I think of like, when I think of like the 50s and the 1950s, I think of like George Adamski and George Van Tassel and like the contactees. But then when you go to like the 70s, 80s, 90s and 2000s, you have like the Art Bells, Whitley Strievers, uh, Bill Cooper, like, but not not just that but like all the all the abductions like you know um you know jim sparks uh you know but it seemed like abductions were really prevalent in those years like um but you know and i'm sure we we had like cases of other races of aliens too but it seemed like mostly everybody was dealing with the great but now in our era or you know the, this current time we're in like it seems like that we're dealing with it, contactees who are having a full spectrum of beings like you get like everything from etheric beings to um you know uh, i'm sure fill in the blank you know people are having experiences with all all different kinds of beings like do you think that's just them showing themselves to us at a more uh, because of what because of what what's going on with our society that we're maybe we are going through like a consciousness shift, if you want to call it that. I mean, like the new agers will say that we're kind of going into fifth, the fifth dimension, which I don't know if I really agree with that, you know, I, but I would say that I definitely see a consciousness expansion. And I don't know if that was done by the aliens, but sorry, I said a lot there. I'll kind of let you rip on that, but wherever you want to go with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, that one of the things that we have today that was not available in the 20th century was this behemoth of internet culture. And with that, um, if, you, if one were to say, oh, so many more cases of this are being reported. Well, yeah, because people can communicate uh, with each other a lot more. People can gather, people can share thoughts, People can express their opinions. Back in the day, it was all a matter of, for the most part, a book. Um, TV was not going anywhere near this for the most part, at least uh, unless they wanted to be tongue-in-cheek about it. Um, then you got some weird stuff. But very rarely was there good television about it. And now um, there is good television. Now, well, relatively. <laughs> I, I won't. I won't. I won't. Um, give it too great of a boost but um, there is a lot of content available on television that you can draw some things from it that are factual before tv producers 
do weird things with it. But, you know, on the internet, uh, like a YouTube, uh, you know, programs like yourself, there is a clear channel of people who are directly boots on the ground, hands on with this phenomena, talking straight. And so because of that, you have a lot more voices reporting a lot more variations on the types of beings. Um, it could be just uh, the Greys got a, a tremendous PR boost because of all the United States cases uh, that that were out and and the books published by writers in the United States. And it could be maybe there's sort of some equal footing of a, a lot of these different species. It's just um, that's what got reported. And, you know, in the, the 70s, 80s, 90s, particularly 80s, 90s, when the little gray face became ubiquitous and it started appearing everywhere, it's everywhere now. You know, they're, they're, when you say alien, it's not like somebody's going to draw, you know, a little purple guy with antenna anymore or a green, little green men. It's a gray. It's a very concrete, iconic image um, now. And so um, it, that will, I, I don't know if I would say if it'll influence people in what they report, but for those who have encounters with beings like that, you know, it very certainly probably rings bells like the way that so many people have their moment like this you know it's like one of those questions um you know what happened where were you when uh kennedy was shot or the the shuttle disaster or whatever like where were you when you first saw the cover of communion that's sort of like the ufo community version of something like that and yeah, yeah i remember i walked into barnes and noble and there it was and it freaked me the heck out and so many people have stories about that. And, and so I think it, you know, it, it, it raises that alarm, like that's meaningful somehow. And I don't like it um, more so than people saying, you know, I had a weird thing happen last night. I know what aliens are supposed to look like. So that's what it looked like. Um, I, I think people would, we would see a lot more variety if people were imagining it. I think, what people are seeing, whether it be a gray, whether it be a mantis, a reptilian, a Nordic, you know, the big ones or whatever else they see, it's because there's some degree of authenticity of what they're reporting, what they've seen and what they, how they express it. And that, that lets me transition to the conversation. I was going to ask you, like, what's all being reported to MUFON? But with that question, are you a part of MUFONs? Like, I know I, I've interviewed Kathleen Martin. She's a, I know there's pe people that are a part of the MUFON abduction team or you know mm -hmm. I, I don't know what they call it. I can't remember experience or support team I think they call it or something like that are you a part of that as well as like the nuts and bolts move on too or is it is it combined now or how does it I'm not a member so I'm not, I'm not really familiar yeah the experience or resource team is what it's called um I am not officially a, a member of that um MUFON has a Michigan MUFON has a very efficient, um, self-contained model um, for reaching out to experiencers, having experiencers connect and finding help for them. And so um, that's, that's basically the model I go with. But there isn't anybody on the ERT that I'm not good friends with. Um, in fact, back in the early 90s, when Shirley Coyne was the head uh, of abduction uh, investigation um she would you know 
um, share some of the things that she was looking into with me. I would be there sometimes when she would talk to other witnesses whom she felt it was uh, helpful that I was there. And so, you know, I consider myself actually like sort of a pioneer <laughs> back in the day before it uh, became what it is now. Um, but the way that MUFON was built in 1969 was to look into um, aerial phenomena. It was it was about how fast does this, this thing in the sky travel? What color is it? How long did you see it? Things like that. How close are you to an airport? All of these sort of like checkbox questions to, to try to describe something somebody's seen probably for a matter of seconds, usually in the sky far off in the distance. This model of investigation doesn't work with experiencers because the experiencer, you know, yeah, you could you could check a bunch of boxes about what a being looks like, but that's not what the experience is. This is an interpersonal experience. This is a very direct thing that's happening in their lives, and it's an open-ended question. You know, the ERTS open-ended question. So then what happened? So then what happened? Can you describe this thing that you're telling me about? And and then, you know, it's a very different approach to investigation. Closed ended questions don't work quite the same. And so you really do have two different lanes of phenomena. It's possible you could say, okay, first I saw this UFO approach. It was this color, moved this fast. It was about this size. It was this shape. And then this little gray guy came out of it. And then let me tell you what happened next. And, and then they, they're off to the races. And very often too, when somebody has one experience, they have multiple experiences in their lives. It's more rare for somebody to have a single experience than it is for them to have several experiences through their lives. A lot of these uh, experiencers, I like to use the term um, frequent flyers. And, and when they start to tell you about one experience, often it'll, they'll say something like, oh, and then the being came and, and touched my leg much like it did this other time when it touched my leg. And this one time it touched my arm. And then they start building this network of stories, building it into a bigger story. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, this is this is pretty much what it's like when I get a call from an experiencer. You know, if we set up a time uh, for a conversation on the phone, I tell them I have 45 minutes um, for this conversation um, to sort of find out what's happening to you. They will talk for 90 minutes. And then I'll, I'll say, I absolutely have to go. We'll pick this up again. And then the second conversation, they talk for 90 minutes. I do not get a word in edge. This is the norm. The, there's, there's other, you know, there's subtle variations, but this is the norm. They talk my ear off for 90 minutes talk my ear off for 90 minutes. And that third call is when you're able to get questions in. They just unload and unload and unload. And, you know, really by the time at the end of that second call, it's a big thick book of information they've given you. And then try to record that. Try to record that somehow without writing a book about this person's life. And there, <laughs> and there are so many people, you know, I know you know, hundreds, literally hundreds of people who claim experiences on a, on a somewhat personal level. And, you know, uh, you know, as, as somebody that's supporting this community, 
what do I say? Yeah, I'll write 200 books for all of you. You know, it's kind of incumbent upon the experiencer, should they wish to come out with their story, to, you know, record it themselves. But, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, this is just happening to me. You're putting me in this place, it's a spot where you want me to write a book. I don't have time to write a book. I didn't ask for this to happen. I just want to tell you about it. And and so a lot of it is, it's difficult to capture the data in, in a way that it can be compared, contrasted, shared, everything along those lines. And and so it's a whole other, uh, other ball game that these two facets of MUFON certainly do their best to work in harmony, but you know, there's certainly different approaches for each of these groups. And what what are people like if you don't I know you can't talk about personal cases or whatever, but like and and by the way, whoever you want to refer, if anybody wants to get their story out, I'll have them on my show, but that's another conversation. But like oh, okay, you know, you can if you want to refer them out. I, I, I'm good with I'll I'll have like the, the biggest name on my show, or I'll have like 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 uh someone who's never got their story out before like i i don't discriminate but like with that said i was gonna ask you like what are people reporting to you that's being seen like is it orbs grays mantids reptilians nordics or is it all the above like what what's the most thing that you get is i'm guessing it'd be the gray and, and with that question in mind keep that on the back burner because i just thought of this back when we were talking about like um, just a couple minutes ago, we were talking about like contact cases here. You mentioned something really uh, poignant that a lot of people that had experiences in the United States uh, had encounters with grays. Like if you go to Australia, you know, I've interviewed like a lot of people from Australia and they have experiences with all different kinds of beings. I don't know why that difference is. Like I have no no clue what, what, the, what the difference is. It seemed like like people in the States were having encounters with a lot of grays whereas like people in other countries especially australia from what i've noticed like australia it seems like a, a really mixed bag of beings like but like with that said what are people reporting to you yeah um all the above is definitely the case i would say mostly grays one category that uh, hasn't been spoken about yet uh, here this evening is uh um hybrids um yeah. people see and people have experience with hybrids, sometimes even astonishingly um, hybrids that may actually even be somehow related to them. Um, you know, this this is one of those topics that, you know, it all depends on how comfortable you are going down the rabbit hole, because um, there's a lot of really weird stories um, from very credible people about all sorts of things happening uh, in this space. But um, well, yeah. Let me ask you this: Did you do you fall in line with Dr. David Jacobs, where he says that like they're walking among us, like that they're that they, they you know you could go back and listen to those interviews Dr. Jacobs did with Art Bell. They're they're brilliant. He he though tends to paint the picture as a negative one, you know. And I know you probably wouldn't agree with that. Like me, I don't know what I think because I get mixed bags of people. I get everybody from people telling me that they think they're demons to that they're the best thing since sliced bread to where, you know, people like yourself where who are like middle of the road where you're like, well, let's just look at it this way. And I like the way you look at it. Cause like, it's like, you look at it more intelligently. You're like, like, let's look at it from a consciousness perspective and that maybe they don't see us the way we see them. And, and I, I kind of like that, but with, with that said, 
do you do you agree with Dr. Jacobs that they they could be walking among us? I think it's it, it's feasible that they could have passable beings. And yeah, um, Jacobs really raises the bar on the hybrid thing. He really hones in. That's his thing. Hybrids uh, very much his thing. Um, in fact, he coins the term not just hybrids, but he calls them hubrids um, because they're so human-like that uh, that they're entirely passable in human society, and and they're you know enmeshed in 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 life here and that um it, it's at that level maybe maybe um i i don't tend to ever get a report that says from somebody that says you know i don't know if my neighbor's from here you know i i hear stories about people that look normal doing some very strange things um walking through fences um having an argument with each other and then suddenly switching to some strange language. Um, yeah, just little quirky things like that. But these are observed behaviors of strangers, not uh, observed behaviors of people that live on that person's street or anything like that. Though I'm sure somebody out there and probably a guest on your show has had some sort of story like that. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I do think that um, that if they are, have been doing this hybrid program for a while, yeah, it would get to a point where they could just do that. They could uh, have have somebody just living amongst us and reporting back to them. Yeah, I I, I was going to say that, and and uh, I was going to say, uh, what are your thoughts on the whole um, humanoid? Um, I know we talked a little bit that I guess you could consider a tall white or a Nordic, but we haven't didn't really get into like deep humanoids. Like I know like when I talked about a damn skin band tassel, like they were famous for seeing like humanoid type ETs. And then there's a lot of contactees now in today's world that are seeing humanoid ETs. I mean, and when you think about this, you can think about stories of the Anunnaki and Quetzalcoatl, the ancient aliens thing that maybe that this ancient alien race came and like, seated us here and maybe they were more human and then some people even go as far as to saying well they're maybe the makers of the grays or you know that, that maybe the the different species of grays are under them like a totem pole or like a, a hierarchy or whatever but um what are your thoughts on the and then and then it's not just you know the the anunnaki you have the arcturians the lyrans the uh, andromedans like all those that i haven't really mentioned and you know like but like, what are your thoughts on the, all those species? And uh, I know they're all very different, but like, like in general, do you think that they're verifiable or something? Is Verifiable, um, and I'm glad you tacked that on to the end of that. Um, I would say not at this time, no. Um, and, you know, all, all of these sort of cultural legends and myths, uh, you know, I, I think that some of them have uh, a foundation in, in truly anomalous phenomenon. Um, it could be, uh, you know, beings from another world coming to visit um, and leaving the types of impressions on these cultures around the world. And depending on the culture and the language and how they pass down information from generation to generation, um, things may remain intact to some degrees. Things may change over the years somebody who passes on the truth of a of a of a interplanetary visitor onto their child and then to their child they decide to make the story a little more interesting because to entertain the kid and and then it gets you know it's like a game of telephone and after a while 
you know, you get maybe some vague semblance of what originally happened. So I, I think when we're talking about things in the distant past, it's not like the recording mechanisms and the filters that these cultures had naturally play a big part in this. And so I do think that these are a lot of samples of something um, that seems to represent visitation from the past, but, you know, it's it's impossible for us to to put the right labels on things and categorize them because that's just not the way that this information has reached us over all these centuries. Yeah, I agree. It's it's hard. I mean, like if you read like the Sumerian clay tablets or whatever, the cuneiform, you know, it, it seems like there, you know, like there's hundreds of thousands of cuneiform tablets, but then like they picked out the big ones, like they found like the Atrahasis and the New Militia and all, you know, like the ones that seem like they have most meaning. But then people chalk that up as myth. But then to me, it seems like they're talking about a time when some other species, like the gods, you want to call them that, if we want to call them that, walked amongst man. And I don't know if they seated us here or, or, or what, what the story is, but like, I do agree with you that it, the recording mechanism wasn't that verifiable. So it, you made a really good point that like, as it got handed down to us over time, did the story get watered down and, and seem more outlandish? Because like a lot of people are saying now that you could trace back the Anunnaki to a people who are from this land called Dillman, who's like, and they, they, they could have just been another earth species, like kind of like how Neanderthal or Cro-Magnon were, you know what I mean? They could have just been something like, like that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think that's along the lines of, yeah, what we're both saying is kind of in sync and it's just, you know, we, you know, unless we were there, um, you know, it's hard to say how that information traveled to us and if, how much of it remained intact yeah. the way it really happened. Well, well the one I, I want to have you back on again because you're, you're so much so fun to talk to. You're really interesting. But like real quick, like, could you tell us like how how your paranormal experiences started? Like or, or just like just like, like a full my kind of bullet points of like the ex different kind of paranormal experiences you had. Like I know you said you had a psychic phenomena and you were visited by ghosts. Like and what what else happened? Like um there there was a lot of poltergeist activity in the house growing up. And yeah, I have seen spirits. Um a friend of mine, um, I saw his ghost when he passed. Uh, this was uh, at the early part of the, was it 2000 something? But um, yeah, just uh, some minor premonitions. Um, most of them kind of useless. Like I would, uh, my friend uh, at school the next day, I would have dreams about what he was going to have for lunch, which changed regularly. And sure enough, he would be having that for lunch i'm like okay what good is this you know i i've never won the lottery you know from it or anything like that but um I, you know it's so weird you said that i get the psychic premonitions too but mine are always about bad stuff and i i don't know if that's like some kind of natural instinct that we have you know what i mean but i'm always like why does the universe always want to tell me when something bad's gonna happen and i'm usually right and sometimes i'll have to go in my head i'll be like no 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 don't tell me that i don't want to know but then it usually ends up happening. Like, do, does that ever happen to you? And do you think that's like the weirdest thing? Okay, so in uh, this is my slightly long-winded answer to that. So I have four older brothers. Um, three are still alive. Um, I should say, so three currently, whatever. But 
Um, my two oldest brothers um, have had a large amount of phenomena happen to them, like myself. The next two brothers after them, between them, zero. Nothing, nothing at all. And for my older brothers, um, say my oldest brother, um, he has premonition is one of the things that uh, he does quite well. And he, in fact, um, you know, does win some money on occasion, not anything to to really celebrate about, but it does happen. And, and it seems to be um, psychically uh, generated. But uh, yeah, he has had premonitions of plane crashes and right before they happen and then they do. Um, and, and just, yeah, little bad things like that. I can't say that that that's how I tune in and that's not the things that happen to me, but to, to my oldest brother, yeah, he's, he sees bad things and they do happen. Yeah. Wow. It always, it makes me, I gotta have you back on. I, because I, this is, this is getting really good. Like I'll, I'll email you as soon as I got to do another shot for this. I, I'd like to set up another sub part two, where we can talk about your paranormal experiences and the psychic phenomena because we haven't even touched on that stuff yet and i feel like i could talk to you forever about that because it's so interesting to me the psychic phenomena really is like because it's so i mean i think all forms of the paranormal are real but the psychic phenomena really gets me because that's really something there's something to that you know mm -hmm. I don't know what, what, what you think. I don't know what you feel about it. Like, the, but like, do you feel that there, there's some, I mean, do, do you think all the, the, well, you've had experiences with all of them. So I guess you would feel that they were all very verifiable, right? That what, that the, the different paranormal phenomena that happened like, to me outside the contact, contact one. Those psychic phenomena, you, you're pretty much, you're pretty much on board with it all, right? Yeah, I've encountered it all. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's that's pretty uh I, I mean it's hard it's, I okay, I guess like I'm a little bit skeptical. I'll just finish up with this. I'm a little bit skeptical because I I I've, I've only experienced the paranormal to a, a, a tiny degree. So it always want I always want to try to pick the brain of an experiencer to see like why it is the way they think the way they do. But uh, I'm going to have to have you back on. This is too too good of a problem. This was amazing. Well, because uh, I, I didn't even get a chance to ask you about your TV stuff yet either. So like, I definitely, but can you tell everybody where to find your books, where to watch your documentaries? And thank you so much. This was awesome. Oh, sure. Um, you know, um, if you go to experiencer.me, experiencer.me, that's my personal website. Uh, I'm not, I don't update it rapidly, but it has information about my books. They're available on Amazon. I've contributed to, an, a, uh, I think, a half a dozen other books at this point, too, um, not just the ones that I've written myself. Um, so that's a good uh, place to start. I'm also on Facebook if somebody wants to friend me. And of course, I represent MUFON. And so you can find me through MUFON.com or the Michigan State, M-I-M-U-F-O-N.org, uh, the Michigan chapter as well. Wow. Yeah, thank you. And uh, and uh, yeah, and we'll do this again and have a good night. And thank you, Bill. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. All right, have a good night.